You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Oh, welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Money Mainville will be joining us momentarily. We are live in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. If you want to gear up for a road trip to either Dickey's Arena or Shreveport, Louisiana on December 16th, you can do so at Cardinal Sports Center, either in person, right outside the loop on Slide Road, or or online, mycardinalsports.com. See, I told you soon. Oh, and he's got the sick hat on, the baby blue bill. I don't know why, but it makes sense. Money, how you doing, man? Good. Right on time. Right on time. Kyle, how are you? Feeling uh, frisky. Feeling frisky, huh? Not uh, Shrevey? Yeah, something like that. I was trying to, I don't know, independent, bowl eligible. I don't know. Uh, um. I want to do something we didn't really do last week uh, that I feel like we need to. I want to do a season in review for football. Um, we can do a sentence. We can do a, a diatribe if you want to give a sonnet, whatever you want to do. Um, but maybe just some broad wrapping up thoughts from the season. Uh, a grade, maybe. I, I don't know. How do you want to do it? I don't know. I was not prepared for this. Uh, neither was I. I just, I, I remembered when I was logging on that we didn't do it last week. Or could we do it next episode, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, we could just focus on the bowl game today. Well, we got more than the bowl game. We've got CFP. Yeah, college football playoff. We have a tough basketball loss. Tough, tough, tough. Yeah. yeah. I've got to take right. a bowl matchup, some portal news. All right, let's do that. Uh, let's start with the CFP and get that out of the way. Uh, I'll be honest, don't care that Florida State got left out. I was not as broken up as everyone else today. Not a travesty. Uh, and quite frankly, the ACC made their bed and they're lying in it. So good riddance to Florida State. Uh, good luck in your next conference. But I think uh, four of the six best teams got in, and that's all you can do with a 14 playoff. Money, what say you? So I have, I have two takes on this. One of them is as a fan with no personal like fanhood buy-in into the college football playoff this year, I don't mind that Florida State got left out. That That's my number one take. Like As the pure viewing experience as college football as a product, myself a consumer, I don't mind it. My second take is that if Texas Tech went undefeated and won the Big 12 and did not make a four-team college football playoff, I would be absolutely enraged. And that's not to say that winning the Big 12 would be comparable to winning the ACC or that you know both teams have the same exact situation, but I would be so furious. And so I think part of me is like as a casual bystander, viewer, enjoyer of the product, I don't mind as somebody that knows what it's like to be 
a fan and like be a part of a university, I, I cannot imagine what a gut punch that would be to win out and find yourself on the outside looking in. The, the only problem there is this is the last time that it'll ever matter. Right. Next year is a 12 team playoff and they fixed it and it could have been here this year, but the effing Alliance screwed the pooch and that's whose fault. The it's one one third the ACC's fault, and and so those are all valid points. The ACC they pushed it. Those are all valid points, but I think like if you take either logical viewpoint to its extreme end, like this is a whole debate: Are we going for the four best teams or the four most deserving teams? And here's the road that all take us down. A hundred percent agree with Mainville. Like Alabama. 1,000% has a better chance to win the whole thing than Florida State if Florida State were in it, especially with Jordan Travis out. Uh, Georgia, if they were in over Florida State, same deal. Ohio State, even two-loss Oregon, I think, has a better shot than Florida State. Um, If that's the case, then they probably should have put Georgia in over Washington, Everybody goes, oh, that's ridiculous. Washington went undefeated. They won their conference. They beat Oregon, to which I say Florida State went undefeated. They won their conference. They beat top 15 Louisville. They beat Clemson in Clemson. They scheduled two SEC opponents away from home, beat them both. And so, like, dude, we could have picked the four best teams before any games were played. The odds makers, the scouts, they could have done that for us back in August. And they could have picked Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama and probably gotten it right. Maybe Texas has a gripe in hindsight. But the only reason Texas has a gripe is because some games were played and they went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama there. So, it, like, to me, go all in one way or the other. If if these games don't matter, we're just picking the four best, then a lot of teams deserved it over Florida Florida State. Um, like I just said, Oregon, Ohio State, they're all, they all have a better chance to win the whole thing than Florida State. If it's four best, then like sorry, Washington, but we're putting Georgia in instead. Nobody like if you're if you're Texas right now, aren't you glad you're playing Washington instead of Georgia? Yes. I think that's a fair lens through which to judge who's the better team. And like there's some nuance there based on matchups, but pull any of the any of the four teams. Would you rather play Georgia or would you rather play Washington in the first round? They'll all say we'd rather play Washington. So if we're saying, well, Florida State had a quarterback injury, their strength of schedule isn't as good, the games don't matter, then fine, let's pick the four best teams and boot Washington and add Georgia. And if you say, well, Georgia had their shot to make it, all they had to do is beat Alabama, then the outcomes of the games do, in fact, matter. And if that's the case, there's no possible way you can leave out Florida State. And I, I err on the side of most deserving because I do think the games matter. And in that respect, I think it's an absolute miscarriage of justice, as our friend John Rothstein would say. In in a four-team scenario, though. Yeah, and, and that's, the, again, fair point. It's a stupid format to begin with. And so you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole here. And it, and and, it doesn't exist anymore. Right, after this year, which it's right. – Incredibly ironic that the year with the most controversy, there's always the team in fifth or sixth like, oh, we should have been in, but they've never had nearly the case that Florida State has this year. No, not um, since 2014. I don't think everybody's pointed out that Florida State is the first undefeated Power Five champ to not make it. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, 
a one-loss outright Power 5 champ has missed the playoff. Well, are you calling TCU outright champion or Baylor outright champion? No, they were they, they were deemed co-champions because we didn't have a conference championship game or a tiebreaker set up. Oh yeah. They didn't they didn't finally declare that Bullsby or was that after the fact? I don't think they handed both teams a trophy that day. Mike and said, that was that said, was the committee's justification was the thirteenth data point. Yeah. And so like we went, I think, past that. Um I some comments here didn't Penn State or didn't Oklahoma Ohio State get in over Penn State. Penn State was a two-loss team. Right. So there's no tiebreaker there. And, yeah, Penn State won the Big Ten as a two-loss team. Ohio State was one loss. They weren't playing conference championship weekend, and they made it, but that's not a tiebreaker. I also saw a bunch of, well, Ohio State got in with their backup backup third-string quarterback. Cardell Jones played 10 games that year. Was like a Blake Bell specialist in packages. Scoring touchdowns, throwing the ball, running the ball a lot. And then beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing. It's not the same. He didn't have 55 yards passing and barely beat Louisville. Who's thrown for more yards since Jordan Travis went down? Michigan or Florida State? Yeah, okay. Yards per play. Give me all those numbers because I I, I don't know. I'm I'm just saying the NFL – the NFL probably is one of the best postseason formats. Like nobody ever complains that a team got left out that should have been in in the NFL. Nobody's ever hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, yeah. and somebody said, "Well, this team sitting home that should have made the wild card round could have been there if not for the NFL's stupid postseason format." Carson Wentz was having an MVP season. He goes down. The Eagles make it anyway, and Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl. And I don't think that would have happened with Florida State. I think there's about a one percent chance of that happening. But like I you're telling me. You're telling me they're edge rushers that like worked their ass off all offseason, played 13 wins against the schedule in front of them that they don't deserve a shot? I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Do you uh, think Florida State will beat Georgia? Do you think Georgia will pull a, uh, let's call it a, a, what was it, Peach Bowl against Texas where they didn't care and Texas beat them? It's hard to gauge the headspace of both teams in that matchup. I think they're both disappointed they're not in the playoffs, so I, I'm that, really not sure. That video was uh, – I mean, I didn't feel anything for it because screw uh, Florida State, but they did look pretty upset. I mean, can you blame them? The, that was not the funniest video today, though. The Michigan video when they found out it wasn't <laughs> was awesome. That was. That was a burst bubble there. Alabama might beat Michigan by 20. I think so. Just based on that reaction, I would bet uh, I would bet Alabama plus one and a half for sure. I mean, Michigan thought they had a bye last year in the first round and yeah. got 50-pieced. Yeah, well, they got their signs uh, readjusted there. I, I will say, I, I don't think I've ever gone into a playoff thinking that more than two or three teams had a shot. I think Washington is not a distant fourth, but I think even Washington like is maybe you know pretty good matchup for Texas and Alabama if they get past Michigan like Alabama was screwing around with Auburn and South Florida. So I, I, this is the first time I mean I, I think six or seven teams could have won it if we had an expanded format, but this is the first time I've ever thought all four had a legitimate shot. Yeah. Uh thoughts on Texas in the playoff? Do you want to give it time? Do you want to give it air? Um, I mean, I think they deserve it. Yeah. 
based agree. on how everything said. I hope, and I know we're going to 12 teams, but like, let's zoom out for a second. Texas had a very high quality non-conference win. Then they go through a, a big 12 slate where they don't beat Oklahoma and they wind up number three. So I'm really curious, let's say three, four years from now, but let's say Utah goes 12 and one with a non-con win over, I don't know, let's say Oregon. They'll probably be like, what, ninth? Which is stupid. Like, they should be, depending on how all, all the other teams are stacked up, they should be top three or four. And Texas will be like, well, that was the old Big 12 with us and OU. It's like, well, you didn't beat OU. You beat Iowa State and Houston and BYU to get there, just like all the new Big 12 teams are going to to get their Big 12 championship. They did not beat OU. Yeah. And I'd be, I'd be curious. I know I'm pretty sure you made the playoff a couple times without beating Texas. Like if they lost a Red River game, but then in 2018, I guess they had the rematch in the conference championship game. So all that to say, like Texas 100% deserves it, not taking away anything from that. But like if you flip their like same strength of record with a different logo on their helmet, like let's say Iowa State goes 11-1, and one, you think they're going to be top three in the country? I don't. Depends on how everything else shakes out. Um, I mean, we just don't know. I, I will say this. If Texas wins the national championship, the Big 12 certainly putting that in the uh, in the in the record book. The Big 12 won a national championship in the playoff era. Yeah, and, and maybe I'm just coping really hard here, but I think that you could use this to your advantage. Like when when Kansas State runs the table and they win the Big 12 without beating Texas or OU they deserve the same respect if they have a comparable non-conference win. Like that's obviously going into Tuscaloosa and winning is huge, but I think we all know that no other team with the same conference record, same conference strength of schedule in the new big 12 is going to get the same respect Texas did for winning the conference without beating OU. Well, that was part of it for Florida state. They had a 55, a 55th ranked strength of schedule. So if in the new big 12, your strength of schedule is 55, and you're twelve and one. Yeah, you probably are eighth or ninth. Yeah, but and like again, that's a totally fair argument because other teams wound up playing a tougher schedule. But I don't think Florida State was trying to schedule a bunch of patsies. Like they, they played, played LSU away from home. They played Florida away from home. Their conference schedule was such that they went to Death Valley to play Clemson. Like if some of these, like Georgia, didn't try to have a tough schedule. They they played Georgia Tech every year, one of the worst teams in the Power Five. You know, I guess there are eight conference games that they're obligated to. They'd probably play five or six if they could. Their annual November FCS bye week, like it's – so, I mean, it, I'm not trying to minimize that either because they played Alabama in the conference championship game, and that's that's tough. But I don't know. I, I respect – when you make these schedules eight years out, you don't know how good or bad LSU is going to be. And so LSU wound up 9-3, and three, but if they were 11-1, and one, Florida State's probably in. Maybe so. Uh, Needs your take on Texas fans booing Brett Yormark. Was it justified or classless? Uh, it was hilarious. And then they chanted SEC at him. Yeah, Somebody, I think it was Albie Shore, fandom. called the, uh, the SEC chant uh, Pumpkin Spice Texas A&M, seeing the crowd of Burn Orange do it. First off, I think, it, I think it's justified. Like, I think Yormark, I mean, he incorporated all the WWE stuff. He's a great heel. Like, say what you want about 
his comments in Lubbock at that breakfast back in August or anything else. Like he got everybody riled up, everybody watching. So, and that, I guess that's ultimately part of his job is to be a, a big time promoter. Um, there have been some snooze fests, big 12 championship games. And this one was in terms of the final score, but like there've been matchups that I didn't really care to even tune in for. Um, we can talk about the halftime show if we want, but I think say what you want. Like maybe he wound up with some egg on his face, but good, uh, good fight promoter at the very least. Yeah. Speaking of fight promoter undertaker, given uh, Quinn Ewers, the belt was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, you know, Santino Morella uh, or some D lister, but it was, it was the undertaker. That's pretty cool. Uh, anything else on the playoff? Do you need to get off your chest? Um, I don't think so. Uh, let's go to the New Year's Six Bowls then. And to your point of the Big 12, OU and Oklahoma State snubbed from the New Year's Six. Uh, so the Big 12 uh, gets moved down a peg. Um, in the bowl selection process, which ultimately affected you. Uh, let's just go through the big 12 bowls, or do you want to go through the new year six as well? I could read every bowl and we could do a, a instant reaction. Um, can we do that next episode? Yeah. The big 12 bowls or all the bowls? Uh, all of them. Okay. Uh, let's just talk about the Shreveport bowl then. The December 16th thoughts on the radiance technologies independence bowl. I want to hear y'all's thoughts first. Uh, I hate that. It's so early Mainville. Yeah. That's kind of seems like the consensus at this point. I mean, I projected this as the matchup I liked a couple weeks back. Um, I like that. It's an opponent. You've got some familiarity with obviously, you know, the holiday bowl, um, that adds another element to this game that I think makes it a little bit more exciting. It's a power five opponent. Obviously, you like that not having to play group of five or service academy. Um, but obviously, the main drawbacks are where it's at in, in the schedule because it is so early. You don't get the benefit of all those extra practices. And then just there's a you know standalone basketball game in Fort Worth that day for Texas Tech there's graduation for Texas Tech that day and so there's a couple of things competing for it but i think you know in terms of Shreveport fun destination obviously you can gamble there you know trip to new orleans during the holidays and so i think it's a good alumni travel game it's pretty convenient especially if you're in the the metroplex not too far of a drive so i like the destination i like the opponent you know Right person, wrong time. Yeah, glad it's power five as well. I, I agree with all of that for Mainville. I was reflecting on this today as I was reading the fan reactions and realized I'm in the minority that I, I preferred this bowl over like playing Air Force or James Madison or somebody like that a week later. I saw Iowa State's bowl draw. Iowa State went six and three in the Big 12 this year. And they get rewarded by playing a group of five team at that group of five teams home stadium in a bowl game that you reached by going three and six in Big 12 play a couple years ago. And you got to play an SEC opponent. Brutal. Kansas gets to play UNLV, which 
UNLV, great year under um, Barry Odom in year one. I don't know the last time they went bowling. Maybe they have gone bowling recently, but that program kind of stinks in terms of their long-term trajectory. And, and that's a Big Ten allotment that didn't get a Big Ten team in it. Yeah, so I I think I am not going to try to preach perspective to people who don't want to hear it. If you don't like the bowl game, that's fine. I'm not really going to try to convince anybody otherwise. But given – I think a lot of this goes back to sipping a little too much Kool-Aid in the offseason and, like, nobody has really fully recalibrated expectations since then. But, like, I was sitting there in the stadium after you lost to Wyoming. They scored in the end zone right in front of me. And, like, I remember being one and three going, holy crap, we're not going to make a bowl game this year. So, to get a Power 5 opponent at a place that's two and a half hours away from your largest alumni base in a city that you can gamble in, to me, is kind of cool. I know that the schedule part sucks. And, like, I was also planning to go to that game against Vanderbilt in Fort Worth on the same day. So I'm not sure which one which one I'm gonna do. I know that like the bowl practices, all that part, that stinks. But I said this from the outset. To me, the opponent you play is the most important thing. I did not want to go to a bowl game against a group of five team, especially not a service academy. I think that is just a nightmare matchup for you. Um, I'm kind of nervous about the game itself. You've got two your special teams coordinator and your offensive coordinator both applying for the same head coaching job and you don't have a lot of preparation. Not sure how some additional portal activity is going to shake out. So like who knows who all is going to be available and everything. We'll get into that maybe a little bit later. Um, But yeah, like I was looking at some of the other potential bowl matchups and, you know, it was like, you might go to the Birmingham bowl against Troy. It's like, I don't want to do that and don't want to play Air Force in TCU Stadium. Like, ask Baylor how that goes. And the other thing, again, not trying to preach perspective, like what bowl game are TCU, Baylor, and Houston playing in this year? They are not bowling. So I wish it were a little bit closer to Christmas or New Year's Eve. But I'll I'll even counter that by asking you all on a scale of 1 to 10. In terms of like impact to next season's results and how well next season goes for Texas Tech, scale of one to 10, how important is it that Will Hammond and Micah Hudson get here to throw a couple passes to each other in bowl practice nine months before next season starts? One. Two. You said one to 10, so. Yeah. Like it, it would be better if they could come enroll and then get two weeks of practice, but like, Really, does that actually matter long-term for your program? Probably not. Like, they're going to get all spring. They're going to get all summer. They're going to get all fall camp. Uh, It's not like they're going to be running with the ones and twos when they get here anyway. They're probably going to be running scout team for Cal, um, if anything. So, again, I don't love the schedule. I don't love the date. And I'm still actually not totally clear on – I think – it's possible that the Independence Bowl is actually a higher bowl slot than those two DFW bowls that don't have a Big 12 team in them. I, the, the language to me on the Big 12's website is kind of confusing. I know those bowl games play after, but the way it reads on the website, it kind of sounds like we'll fill those two games if the others aren't filled with Big 12 teams. That's my understanding, yes. So it kind of sounded like they were like the seventh and eighth bowl slots. So, yeah, I, I agree 
with y'all. I, I really wish it could be later in the year, but in terms of like destination and matchup, based on some of the other projections that were out there and what you could realistically expect, I I think this is pretty dang good, to be honest with you. Well, you talked about offensive coordinator leaving Cal's offensive coordinator, Jake Spavital, uh, is at Baylor now. So you already have some options there. Who would call plays if Kidley's uh, approved at Utah? I don't know. Would he pull a Cumby and coach us in the bowl game? Uh, maybe because it's so early, but I mean, that's signing day and signing days in the 20th. Is Juice, is Juice like associate head coach? Uh, I guess he'd be next in the pecking order. I don't know. Something like that, yeah. Has he ever done it before? I don't think is, so. Is Kirk Bryant elevated uh, just to call plays? The Bachelor? You get a rose, buddy? Call some plays? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's talk about it. Kenny Perry and Zach Kelly. I almost forgot his name there. Zach Kelly, both interviewing for the UTEP job. Uh, who would you hire if you're the UTEP coach? Brendan Marion, the UNLV offense coordinator, also in the mix. And I think somebody else, some 30-year-old kid. Uh, kid, I'm 34, but uh, some other 30-year-old man in the mix as well. Uh, who would you pick out of the four, even though I don't know the other guy's name? Uh, or who would you pick out of Kenny Perry and uh, Zach Kidley? Money? Out of all of them, I'm gonna go with a uh, friend of the friend of the show, UNLV guy. Um, and then out of the two tech coaches, I think you've got to go Kitley, just for the sake of I don't know when the last time Kenny Perry has coached offense or defensive side of the ball because before he came to Tech, he was special teams at SMU and was pretty much special teams only at Tech until. Obviously, uh, Smith takes the job with the Giants, and you've kind of got to scramble for that staff position. And so I think Kitley's got to be the pick just based on what he did with, with Zappy. I don't think that stands for nothing, especially in the eyes of some ADs. And so I think with the more recent experience, just calling plays and even track record of success um, with the passing game, I think you'd go Kitley. Yeah, I think I alluded to some of this maybe two episodes ago whenever we were talking about this. If you're a program like UTEP, I think you have to kind of swing for the fences. Like To me, Kenny Perry is a guy that is more of a veteran head coach. Yeah, he gives you the high school connections. It's kind of like a safe pick to sort of steady the boat. But if you actually want to win at UTEP, I feel like you have to do something not crazy schematically, but something a little bit different. And I think that's why they're targeting – I think that's why so many young offensive coordinators have been tied to that job. And so, like, the, the downside if you're UTEP isn't much because, like, you know, Dana Dimmel didn't win there. And to me, Dana Dimmel's kind of like a – not quite a Kenny Perry guy because Dimmel was in the college ranks for so long and Kenny Perry kind of moved up through high school like Joey McGuire did. Um, but, yeah, I think you need to kind of swing for the fences on some hotshot name. Yeah, he's going to leave if he finds success. Like if Brendan Marion or Zach Kidley goes to UTEP and they win eight or nine games, they're going to bounce. But then, like, they've at least elevated the program, hopefully, for the next guy. And that's, you know, something UTEP doesn't often have going for it in terms of being a program kind of on an upward trajectory. So 
And if if you hire some young guy that isn't ready to be a head coach and he fails and Dana Dimmel failed, like you're not yeah. guaranteed success by going with a more veteran guy in that job either. So I would swing for the fences. I would do something kind of crazy, bring in some kind of like what Gundy did with his defensive coordinators. Like I'm just going to pluck some guy nobody's ever heard of from D2 and we're going to, you know, I'd kind of go that route, you know, try to hire somebody that's won a bunch of division three natties, you know, from like Mary Hart and Baylor or something, or some whiz offensive coordinator that probably isn't a candidate for other head coaching vacancies, but he is for UTEP. So if I was their AD, that's probably the angle I would try. Here's what I would do. And uh, you think back to Texas Tech's time in 2013, hiring a head coach. They got a young 30-something-year-old Cliff Kingsbury and let him hire his own staff. Bad idea. I would hire Zach Kitley and Kenny Perry or somebody like Kenny Perry. Give Kenny Perry a raise if you can and make him associate head coach or Brennan Marion, whatever it is, and then a Kenny Perry-esque guy uh, who's been a head coach before in the high school ranks, who knows how to run a program, who's been around Joey McGuire and Sonny Cumbie, Sonny Dykes, sorry, and has been in the college game for a long time now. You you, you need both. You, you can't just go get a youthful offensive mind and expect him to be able to run a program. Um, I As far as the Texas staff get. Texas Tech staff goes. I don't know if I want to lose Kenny Perry and uh, Zach Kittley in the same cycle, but if you do, you do. You go pluck a high school phenom to be the the, social, the special teams guy, and then you have uh, another offense coordinator come in. It is what it is. Uh, all right. Any other football thoughts before we move to basketball? Do we want to talk football portal at all? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I I have a question. Okay. Before you ask your question, uh huh. I alluded to a miscarriage of justice earlier in the podcast. Yeah. And if you are the victim of a miscarriage of justice, you know who to call. It's our friends over at Barnett Howard and Williams Law Firm, bhwlawfirm.com. They were over with us on Gauchos After Dark all season. Maybe one last hurrah after that game. The Independence Bowl is going to end at like midnight because it's a late kickoff. But maybe we'll do one last one uh, in honor of the bowl game. BHWLawFirm.com. They can do it all. Catastrophic injury. You get hurt at work. Criminal defense. Certified in Title IX student litigation. They hope you never need them. But somebody solid in your corner if you do. Barnett, Howard, and Williams. For all your miscarriage of justices, miscarriages of justice. There you go. Uh, there were some comments about Duke in a bowl. Uh, yeah, they don't have a coach. They don't have a quarterback. They're going to get hammered. Uh, I think they're playing Troy, but um, Duke Duke's not going to be good in bowl season. Bet, bet the opponent. Uh, all right, I have a question about the portal. And when you went to miscarriage of justice, I thought you were going to talk barbecue justice, but glad to have uh, Barnett Howard Williams back in the rotation. Uh, okay, I look, <laughs> I looked at Instagram. Dude, what D- Debo is killing me? Forty six points. Oh yeah, they're they're murdering the Eagles. Oh my gosh, 
this guy's killing me. Like his entire team, Brees Hall has 10 points, DeAndre Swift, four points, Jameer Gibbs, seven points, and then Debo, 46 points. Yeah. He touched the ball five times and has three touchdowns. What are we doing here? Yeah. That is a miscarriage of justice. Yeah. I should have won this game. Tyreek Tyree Hill did that today, too. Freaking Debo, man. All right, sorry, proceed. Uh, on Instagram, the announcement was made from on three that Monroe Mills was in the portal. And then they said, one of the top left tackles in the country, according to on three. Where is this list? And if you look at the comments on this video, it's Texas fans saying, come be the new left tackle. It's it's Ohio State fans saying, oh, yeah, come beef up the offensive line. You're a left tackle on a 6-6 six and six Texas Tech team that had quarterbacks running for their lice all year. How, how is he the best left tackle? I, and, again, no shade to Monroe Mills. I hope you find a great landing spot. But I feel like if you're a two-year starter and leaving, um, Man, maybe maybe he's just too big for Texas Tech now, and that's why he's leaving. But I did not understand. And I looked for the list. I looked for the left tackle list uh, that On3 supposedly had out there. I even commented on their Instagram, where's the list? I need to see the list because uh, he's not going to be an All-American. I think they said one of the best tackles in the portal, not I, in the country. Uh, I don't think that was the – let me see. Let me go look. Go ahead. That's all I had because, again, not, not a shot at him. He's not one of the best tackles in the country. If they said that, that's kind of crazy. I thought uh, they said in the, one of the best in the portal. Landon Peterson also in? Yeah, Landon Peterson. Let's recap who, who else in the portal. Uh, three offensive linemen. So you've got Matt Keeler, Landon Peterson, and Monroe Mills. Two wide receivers uh, – three wide receivers. Nehemiah Martinez, Miles Price, Jerron Bradley – and Tyler Shuck. Defensively, I don't think anybody on the defensive side has entered the portal yet. Not that I've seen. Interesting you say yet, though. Oh, they're going to hit the portal for sure. Do you think they wait for the bowl game or just wait for the fourth? It could be either one, and some of them won't get processed or choose to leave until spring ball is over with. But the, the numbers right now don't add up. You, you probably need to lose, like, at least 10 guys on defense, which I think is funny. Like Total or on defense? Probably 10 on defense. Wow. I mean, maybe that's overstating a little bit. But, yeah, 8 to 10 is kind of what I expect. I think they're at 50 scholarship guys on defense right now. That's a lot of guys. So if they go down to 40 – you know, they, they they can add three if they want to have the offense and defense scholarship numbers balanced. So I I think that's funny that every time somebody hits the portal, like the reaction from the fans is always the same. Like nobody's gotten accustomed to the fact yet that every single year, whether you're good or bad, 15 to 20% of your roster is going to hit the portal. And that's just the way it is now. So like Monroe Mills hit the portal – is it a little bit of a surprise? Yeah, because he was a starter. Is it like shocking? Like, oh my God, how is this guy leaving? No, not in my opinion. And there will be 15 more just like him that hit the portal. And I think fans need to adjust to the way of the world now and not freak out after all these announcements. Like, that's just how I thought going. In. I was like, okay, it's that time of year. 20 guys are going to hit the portal. We'll see who they are. 
Yeah. I think you'll have more inter. I, I, 10 is a big number to get my head around, but I, I understand what you're saying with the amount of guys coming in. Um, there has to be some kind of give and take there, unless you're just taking guys off scholarship, which I don't think you are. Unless you are, and that would be uh, something too. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tyler Shuck? Would it be worth UCF? Doesn't, doesn't, don't, I mean, don't you have Timmy McLean coming back? Don't you have John Rice Plumley? I don't think you need Tyler Shuck. I think Plumley's out of eligibility. Is he? I think so. Oh, well then, go for somebody, Tyler. Somebody in the comments will know better than me. Mike will know. Mike knows all. I fear for his safety in that offense. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a good fit to me. Yeah, that's a lot of quarterback running around. I mean, he, he's an athletic guy, but yeah. uh, for the UCF fans commenting, he broke his leg or ankle this year in game four, missed the rest of the season. And the two years before that, he had, a, I think, a separated shoulder, maybe a broken collarbone. Yeah, collarbone, year before, collarbone, yeah. Year before that, also a broken collarbone. So he's had three season-ending uh, no, I guess last year's didn't end his season. He came back at the end, but uh, three significant injuries. So, uh, you know, Malzahn usually likes mobile quarterbacks, the, you know, the RPOs, all that. Um, so I don't know if that's the best fit for Shuck, but when he's healthy, he's a good runner. So he's played five seasons and has like 22 games of play. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't meant to be like, soft but like this is his oh, last crack at it like this, he, he's got to put together a season of film you know if he wants to put something together for scouts he's got to keep himself healthy that's priority number one yeah of the guys who have entered so far who do y'all think is the biggest loss Monroe Mills I think I agree with you yeah just because he's a two-year starter at left tackle and I found the post it was not from on three which makes a little more sense, but it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a delineation of in the portal or not. It just says one of the top left, one of the top tackles in college football, which it's from a, a source called the transfer portal. So they could be talking out of their butt there. Okay. Yeah. I think what I saw was a tweet from on three. Yeah. That and, was the graphic. Yeah. And there's, I think said in the portal. That makes more sense, but it was a second. I thought it was on three when I saw it but it was secondhand from somebody else who was just playing telephone there. Yeah. Uh, Miles Price is baked in. I think a lot of people can give you that kind of uh, production. Dram Bradley, uh, hyped, but has not produced uh, to a level that matches his hype. He had one great game against Oklahoma and didn't really do anything else. Now, has he played with... Uh, consistent quarterback play health-wise? No. Um, has this offense left things to be desired? Yes. Uh, does it feel like he gets open often? No. So uh, I, I don't know what it is there. Um, if if this offense is going to be this offense moving forward, Dram Bradley doesn't fit. And so good for him moving on. Yeah, I'm a little bit conflicted on – Jerron Bradley, I think clearly the potential is there in, in some parts of this game. Like he's probably not going to get magically faster overnight, but he's six five, rangy. We've seen him win some jump balls. Um, 
for the final eight games of the season, he was playing with either a true freshman quarterback getting his first experience or a quarterback with a sprained shoulder. And I think that no doubt inhibited his production. But in those final eight games, in five of those, he had either one catch or zero catches. And I think there are clearly times when you can go to the tape of Jerron Bradley being targeted where maybe the throw isn't great, but it gets there. Like whether it came from a quarterback with a sprained shoulder or not. And you can say to yourself, the DB wanted that ball more than Jerron Bradley or the DB pretended like he wanted it at all. I don't think that's an unfair criticism at all of a guy that that seemed to happen to over and over. And I don't think it's an unfair criticism of a guy. I usually try to go light on like individual player criticism at this level, but the game has changed the last few years. NIL is a real thing now. And I know he was one of the highest paid players on the roster and to get that kind of effort is a disappointment. And so are you going to automatically replace him with somebody else who's six, five and has his ceiling, his talent level? Maybe not. But like also on a lot of those plays, you don't need him to be 6'5 or incredibly talented. You just need him to finish the route. Or hey, if it's an off target throw, yeah. you're the defender now. Like break it up so that they don't pick it off. But like that happened in the last game against Texas. Just like kind of crappy effort and it resulted in an INT. And like that's something I just can't stand to watch. Who is the best wide receiver in the Western Kentucky version of the Kitley offense? Stearns, right? Jareth Stearns. He's like five six, so uh, you don't you don't need to be six five to be in this offense and be electric and yeah. Just and didn't feel like you had the athletes there. Matt Wells definitely had a type. Loic Fungi, Jerome Bradley, Trey Cleveland, JJ Sparkman, like TJ yeah. Vasher. Yeah, like we want six five dudes on the outside, and and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That it can certainly to be be to your advantage, especially when you pair them with. Think Jed Castles was six eight tight end, Mason Tharp six nine tight end. Like we were going for something there. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's the same body type, same receiver type that is gonna flourish in you know the ideal version of Kitley's offense. So I, I I've seen like Tech Hoops guy, friend of the show, respect him a lot. His take is I don't want to mischaracterize it, but his take I think is that you're losing so many snaps at receiver that I think basically as a position group, he views it as hard to upgrade based on losing guys like Xavier White to eligibility, Price and Bradley to the portal. I don't know. I'm not convinced snaps is like the right metric to go by. I do see some validity to it because you don't want a completely inexperienced position group, but I don't know. I'll be curious what we get from the portal because this is also the first thing. Like Everybody can leave right now or announce that they're leaving. D1 players can't get an offer from Tech or commit to Tech until next week. So we'll see. Tomorrow, This is all like a, you know, net addition or subtraction game. So if if we're bringing in some elite receiver that has two 1,000-yard seasons at a power five, then, like, it's probably going to mitigate some concerns. But if you bring in, like, an FCS guy or a JUCO guy, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe we're better off with Bradley and Price. So I'm – Kind of in wait and see mode before I assess the total damage. 
yeah. Uh, and and get me through signing day, and I'll tell you as well. If because uh, if Micah Hudson is on the dotted line, I I feel a lot less uh, antsy about Dram Bradley and Miles Price. Is what it is. Uh, any other portal or recruiting comments? Do you have any guys uh, that you're targeting? Like as uh, guys that I think are likely to hit the portal from Texas Tech? No, you could say uh, specific guys you're targeting or a, 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 like a philosophically, who do you want to come to Texas Tech out of the portal? Uh, Monterey Baldwin. I don't think he's in the portal yet. Drake Dabney. Uh, Gary Bohannon. And if it sounds like I just want a bunch of Baylor guys, it's because there's a connection there. And you might be saying, Kyle, Baylor almost went 1-11 this year, and that's true. But not because of those guys. Like, if you take the four guys from their roster that were worth a damn this year, I'm fine with that. You could point at Texas Tech's 2016 team and say, they went 5-7, and seven, they stink. And you'd be right but every single school in the country would have wanted Patrick Mahomes out of the portal. Now I'm not saying Drake Dabney is Patrick Mahomes, but like, I think you can still get plus players from bad teams at positions of need. Hey, I'm in on Jerry Bohannon who is in the portal again. Is it Jerry or Gary? If he commits here, Jerry. that bit can yeah. never end. Yeah. It's like parks and rec, Larry Gingrich, whatever his name is. We'll just say them both like uh Will Gergreyer. Yeah. Had a couple of those. I, I think thought it, it was Gary. Was it but Gary? I, I think it is Gary now that you say that. Ryan, do you know? Is it Gary or Jerry? I think it's spelled with a G. It is a G. But it's but not I, Gif. <laughs> you don't like when Gif Axton is on the call yeah, for a basketball game? Gif Axton's not calling the games. Let's just call him Larry Bohannon if he commits here. Just yeah. There you go. Uh, um, but – if philosophically, are there position groups you're you're targeting? Or do you want a wide receiver? Yeah, a fast wide receiver. Yeah, I, I would say like a an experienced backup quarterback, um, probably a tight end, um, a starting caliber wide receiver, at least two starting caliber offensive linemen, maybe a pass rusher, interior D line depth. I think you're good at inside linebacker. I wouldn't. Screw with that. Probably okay at running back. I don't know if I would target that. I think if there's a really good guy in the portal that says I want to come to Tech, you know, you don't say no, but I don't know if I'm – be in that Kitley offense. If you're our number one back, you'll get 95% of the carries. If you're our number two back – See you later. Um, and maybe like some depth in the secondaries. I'm just looking at where you're going to be young next year and a little bit inexperienced and thinking if you can bring oh. in a guy that's played, you know, 500 snaps or something, 1,000 snaps – the way you're talking, you'll have to process 15 or 20 guys. Well, I've done the math, and it's on Patreon. We've got a running scholarship counter with the caveat that there might be a walk-on listed there or the reversal of a guy who's on scholarship that I thought was a walk-on. But we're counting scholarships as guys hit the portal. It's by position group. We've opined on what we think the portal needs are, and so we'll see how closely the coaching staff's vision lines with that. But that is on Patreon at patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. We'll do like a weekly recap of portal ins and outs and a running scholarship counter. So that's all up there. Good to know. Uh, basketball? Yes. I will say after the Butler loss, 
I was encouraged. Regular regulation, I was encouraged. I was not encouraged about what transpired in overtime. Uh, but coming back from 10 down in regulation, fighting to the end. Uh, another instance of Pop Isaacs being clutch, clutching up there at the end, getting it tied. Um, can you sustain Big 12 play playing seven guys? Eight, but really seven. Money, what, what do you think there? I feel like you ran out of gas against Butler. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is no. And I think really the reason the answer is no is because of the way that your roster is constructed and really just the options that McCaslin seems to be turning to right now. So right now, like we saw it against Butler, saw it in the last game as well. It It's pretty much either Warren Washington on the floor for Texas Tech or they go totally small with, you know, Darion Williams or Devin Cambridge running the five. And Robert Jennings and Emele Yalahu are not playing any minutes right now. They just aren't. They're, they are not in the rotation. Strange. And there are no options behind them. It is either Warren Washington or you are small. And so I think that is the biggest question mark facing this team. Not just because I think, you know, Robert Jennings or EY are, you know, these all-American type talents that deserve to be getting minutes. But, you know, if you go into Allen Fieldhouse and you try to play Warren Washington on Hunter Dickinson for 25 minutes and then hope, you know, Darion Williams or Devin Cambridge can do the rest, you're in for a really long night. And so I think right now that's the biggest question mark is, how do you figure out what's what's going on in your front court? How do you address just interior defense, interior offense, just interior depth as a whole? Um, and just how do you break up the minutes? How do you get Warren Washington some rest? What happens if he gets into foul trouble? That There's a lot of questions that won't really be answered until you're playing big, you know, no pun intended, but big, big 12 teams like you're, you're going to face some size in this conference. I think you did against Butler, and that was really what lost you the game, in my opinion. You got carved on the inside on defense. I mean, just no resistance whatsoever. And I've got some numbers on the game. We can talk about them in a minute. But as an overview, you got beat on the inside, both offensively and defensively. It was a big problem. Obviously, you had a good showing from the perimeter especially from Chance McMillan that kept you in most of that game, uh, a heroic effort to say the very least. Um, but until you can kind of figure out at least how to get something from the inside to just survive, that that's going to be looming very large over this team and, and what their potential looks like going forward. Kyle, you gave me a face when I said I was encouraged with the Butler loss. You, you don't, you don't believe in moral victories. No, I was encouraged too. I just, get a stop. Like you had an opportunity to win against a good team, get a foundation for your tournament resume on the road in a tough environment, all of that. It's just like, get one freaking stop. Yeah. And it's one of those, I don't know. I think Mateo Nomeo said it in the discord, but with latent regulation, when they get that rebound, they pass it. I was like, you know, this three balls going in and like, sure enough, he hits it. They're shooting like 55% for the entire game. It's just insane. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I guess it was it was difficult for me because 
like those first few games out of the gate, you're like, man, this is ugly offensively. Like if we don't win 58 to 52, we're not going to win. And then some shots start falling for you. And it's like, okay, like the offense is figuring it out. You pair that with our good defense. This is a good formula. And like, as soon as the offense takes off, the defense kind of disappears. And so that was a frustrating part for me is like, you haven't seen it come together at the same time. I mean, maybe Michigan, um, but yeah, that was just the frustrating thing for me. It's like, even if we're not playing good defense, sometimes guys miss open shots and it's like just waiting for Butler to miss one of those down the stretch there and you would have won. So it just felt like you let one get away that, you know, was winnable, not in the sense that, oh, we faded down the stretch and we lost by eight or 10. Like it was right there. And if Butler misses a shot, you win that game. So yeah, I'm still encouraged. I, I feel way better than I did like two weeks ago when I, thought we might go all year without scoring on anybody now it's can you shore up the defense can you get you know quality possession at both ends of the floor at the same time and kind of pair those two together going to be hard without some of the depth that you talked about especially against good competition but again I've, I've made sure to reiterate this every time uh, this is why I like playing these games early I'd rather find that out against Northern Iowa and Butler and San Jose State than you know, in November, then find it out against Iowa State yeah. um, up in Ames, like at Hilton. So, you know, um, it's going to be one of those games you look back on if we are like first four out kind of squad in March. You go, oh, what if we had just made another shot or gotten one stop at Butler? But I, I, I'm with you. I think overall I was still encouraged. Speaking of two things there, offensively, if if you can shoot, you either can shoot or can't in college basketball, either offensive or not. Uh, defensively, I think you can improve over the year. So I don't think you'll give up 100 a bunch of times in Big 12 play. And I think you can have similar offensive output, maybe not with chance of shooting eight threes or making eight threes, uh, but the conglomerate can get it done. Um, speaking of tournament resume, though, what the F is wrong with Villanova? They dominated in uh, Atlantis and then got beat by St. Joe's by 13, I think, and then lost to Drexel and scored 55. We broke them. Uh, how? Brendan Hawson taking out our knees, uh, broke him. I, I don't know what happened. The Villanova, they're going to mess around and be quad two or three. Worst good team in the country right now. Or the best bad team. I cannot tell. I and think it might be the best bad team. They dominated you. You couldn't get in the paint against them. And Drexel and St. Joe's are just doing whatever they want. I, I think that's the confusing thing about our squad is against Villanova, we were clearly like letting it rip from outside, not shooting super well, but also not terrible. And I was I kind of like that approach. Like if you don't have a great offensive scheme. I think you can do worse than just volume shooting threes because on nights that those fall at a high enough clip, you'll generate some offense. Uh, but then like you fast and we got nothing inside against Villanova. Then you fast forward to Butler and the first five shots are all right at the rim. And only one of those was in transition. That's the only one you missed. Like you started the game four for four. Every single look was not just in the paint, but like right at the rim. So I don't know if that, you know, if that was something they saw in film, it's kind of like when you script the opening drive in football, if they were like, if they had a handful of play designs drawn up to get into the paint. But I, again, looking for, I guess, reasons to be optimistic. 
that looks like something you kind of fixed at least a little bit or made progress on in between Villanova and Butler. Certainly the three-point shooting got a lot better. Uh, it's just that you've seemingly regressed on defense as the competition has ramped up. So still some stuff to fix, but like I said, I, you know, I was looking at the three-point percentage early, and I know it was a small sample size in the grand scheme, but I think it was last year you were, you were shooting at like a – historically low clip like like no big 12 conference team had ever shot that bad from three for a while last season yeah i was like man if we're 300 something in three-point shooting percentage and we can't get into the paint and we can't get to the free throw line like what the hell are we going to do on offense and so luckily it doesn't seem like you're trending that way um but still obviously some stuff to improve if you want to win some games in the middle of the big 12 there yeah, I think the obvious positives are on offense, right? Shooting the ball a lot better. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the season. Like, I, I did not think three games was a big enough sample size to call this, you know, the worst three-point shooting team in the country. They they were just due for some positive regression. And, like, I, I still don't think they'll be elite. I, I still don't think they'll be great. But they can be good enough. They, they can definitely be more than good enough, especially with the defense that they've shown that they can play. I think at this point, it's just about solidifying an identity because it feels like one night you're trying to win track meets, other nights you're trying to win marathons. And it's just kind of odd. It doesn't feel like it's all coming together and you're having these really strange outlier performances. Like Butler was the first team to score 100 against Tech since Washington in 2010. When they're both overtime games, I get it, but this was the worst adjusted defensive efficiency in a game by Texas Tech since 2016. Like, this was a bad, bad defensive game. There's just no other way around it. And so I think you look at the offense and you're finding some things that are working. I think the small ball is helping that out. But the more you continue to regress defensively, I think that's when the front court depth comes right back into the front of the picture. And it's like, okay, which one are we going to sacrifice? And and that's going to be the question. I'm going to have to push back and disagree on one thing you said there. You said you're not sure if we can sustain some of the positive regression from three-point range. I think Chance McMillan is going to make eight threes per game going forward. Every night, like, we're going to shatter some old records. So I'm, I'm fully expecting that uh, to continue all the way through conference play. Do you think that's unreasonable? Eight threes per game? I think he can do it. He Absolutely just not. Three times again. Well, yeah, you don't need eight from him. Like, yeah. can you go three for eight shooting at volume? Like, it's pretty good. Pop Isaac shooting 27% from deep. Do you want him to keep shooting? Yeah. Me too. Some people don't. Yeah, Kelvin Sampson would tell him to stop. Yeah. yeah, our good friend says don't. Don't shoot. But. My, uh, my sixth grade basketball coach used to tell us keep shooting. And like, you can imagine how bad it is in sixth grade, like the shot making ability, but oh yeah, we were 11 years old, just jacking up threes. You like missed 10 under rows. I keep shooting. <laughs> no fault. Uh, talking about not wanting to sacrifice, you know what I wouldn't sacrifice? Of? Our friendship, our friendship, our burgeoning friendship with money main bill and a good plate of Reginio barbecue. Mm. Uh, tell us about that. Yes, Rahino Barbecue has the best barbecue in West Texas. Check them out online at RahinoBBQ.com, on social at RahinoBBQ. 
I bet they've got some stuff in the hopper for Christmas. I know they did for Thanksgiving. I would bet they've got a like a full ham, maybe a full turkey you can order. I haven't looked yet, but check them out online. You can order some of that if you want to make the Christmas cooking a little bit easier on yourself. They've got good sides as well. They're open five days a week out in Olton. Have the mobile food truck going all across West Texas. So give them a follow to uh, check out when and where they're going to be. Order online, order ahead. The lines do get long, so make sure your barbecue is there by placing your order at RahinoBBQ.com. Have you seen their chicken fried steaks? No, they're, but I'm intrigued. They are massive. Ooh. Texas size, they say. Yeah, I like that. For the YouTube audience, I just showed a picture. Uh, final thoughts on basketball? Or uh, do you want to bust out a mailbag? I got a quick note on okay. Joe Toussaint. So if you've watched every game this season, I think it's, or even most of the games this season, I think it's become pretty apparent that Joe Toussaint is a ball player. Like he has kept tech in games where maybe they shouldn't have been. He has made critical game-changing plays like he did against Butler when he hit the deck and then got a good finish on the other end. He is seemingly shown up in the last two minutes of every single game. He has been so, so valuable. And you look at his production this season, there's kind of a catch-all predictive metric called BPR. Uh, a buddy of mine, Evan Maya, he creates it on, on his website, evanmaya.com. You can access it for free. Um, it's just kind of a catch-all metric to show how much more valuable a, an individual player is compared to the average Division One basketball player. And right now, based on that metric, Joe Toussaint is 86th in the country, which, you know, may not sound incredible. Like he's not, you know, a top 15 basketball player in the country, but I don't think you would expect that from anybody on this team. And if you even go back to last year, you look at a guy like Davion Harmon, Davion Harmon, kind of similar vibes to Toussaint, right? Like kept you in close games down the stretch, was a veteran leader, got to the rim. He finished 235th. So there's wow. obviously still a lot of basketball left to be played. I don't want to undermine that point. But what Joe Toussaint is doing right now, especially when it matters most, it, it's just, it's incredible to watch. He is keeping tech in games he is winning games and i think all the credit in the world you know goes out to grant mccaslin for getting this guy late in the portal late in the cycle um obviously after leaving west virginia you needed his veteran leadership and it is scary to think about what this team would look like without him he has been irreplaceable shout out bob huggins and his recycling Also, I think Kansas State was the team you beat out for Joe Toussaint's services, and I think they could use him pretty bad right now. K-State. Hey, the Big 12, though, looking good. BYU moving BYU. up. BYU. They're like number six in Ken Palm. Yeah. Weren't they picked 13th in the conference? This year's West Virginia football. Oh, my gosh. No Brown didn't hear no bell. Neither did uh, BYU's coach. I feel like they just totally got lost in the, like, oh, yeah, we're adding Houston, and we already have Kansas, and we might add Gonzaga, and then, like, out of nowhere. I shouldn't say out of nowhere because they were they were good. Ken Palm and all those analytics to start the year. 
but number six, and 19,000 people go to their home games. Like that is not going to be an easy place for Kansas, yeah. Houston, anybody to go win a basketball game, especially if they have it rolling like this. It's crazy. Luckily, Tech plays them at home this year, but they played them three days after playing Houston on the road. That is going to be a gauntlet of two games. Yeah. All right, the Chiefs are about to start, so let's uh, moneyball this mailbag. I'm not even going to push the button. Let's just do the Matador Transit mailbag. Uh, if Tech gets rid of Colorado State as a road opponent in 2025, what group of five program would you want to play instead at home? He brings up San Diego State. Um, I don't know. North Texas? Yeah, somebody. I mean, you're playing them next year, but you can play them I, I want to play Power 5, so I, I don't really feel that strongly about – or like New Mexico. I don't, I don't know. UNLV? UTEP? Give me somebody in Texas, I guess. G.J. Kenny is he still there? Play, play G.J. Kenny in Texas State? I'd rather have a competitive game. Money, you were about to say something. Uh, was Wyoming a standalone or was that a home-and-home? Home? I can never remember. It was a home and home, but I don't know when the home is because it was supposed to happen in 2020. It's like 2029 or 2031. It's way out there. Yeah. Okay. So, if they're already on the books, I was going to say maybe get a chance at redemption at home, but if they're already oh, on the books. We will have our revenge and our grandkids will be there to see it. Take them uh, to the deep end of the pool there. But by the way, I know we've aired this grievance before. Uh-huh. And I don't want to get into this right now, but like we're talking about swapping Oregon for Washington State on the schedule next year. That game was, is in nine months. And we're told all the time that Texas and Texas A&M can't play each other because the schedules are so complicated. We don't have anything open until 2036. It's such BS. I don't know why we even allow anybody to answer the question that way. Yeah. Like the media should always point back to, hey, this game was – can you all hear my toddler crying out there? It's great radio. Um, she, she's pissed off about bath time tonight for some reason, but – um, it's just so transparent that these schedules are, you can cancel them all, rework them all. So I kind of don't want to hear that, especially with the new big 12, like, Oh, well, we couldn't get a power five team on the books because it's so hard to no. like get the schedule, right? We know it can be done if there's enough willpower. So just do it. Agreed. Uh, what is Texas tech's record without Taj Brooks? Worse. Bad. You're not bowling. Three? Yeah, I think you're like Baylor without Todd yeah. Brooks. Yeah, three and nine. Um, I mean, you might be Houston without him. You're throwing the rock around against Houston. And Cameron Valdez had 50-yard runs. So anybody was running against Houston. But I, I don't think you beat UCF without him. I don't think you beat – Um, yeah, uh, not good. Uh, Rob, I don't know why this is just to me, but Rob, do you think the creators of the Rudolph lie were personally biased towards him? Seems like all the other reindeer's reputations were slandered. Is it possible that Rudolph was the jerk and didn't play well with others? Hence why he's the only reindeer that isn't lined up next to another one. Is there a philosophical debate? Is there a Rudolph lie? Have I missed this? I didn't know there was such thing as the Rudolph lie. I don't think there are enough people talking about this right now, Rob. But I agree that uh, Rudolph certainly was not a game player 
And why wasn't he with another Rudolph? You couldn't get a you couldn't get an even number. Um, I think jealousy often breeds resentment and arrogance. And if he believed all the hype of him leading the sleigh, then yeah, absolutely, I think he could have been uh, the one that that they didn't want to invite around because he was too pompous. But often that's just uh, the arrogance is is a coping mechanism, like uh, self-deprecate. Depre- you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, can you give me Gaucho-branded Jinko jeans for Christmas? Did you ever wear Jinko's money? I did not. Did you have a wallet chain? You missed the you – were too, you're both too young for Jinko's, I believe. Was there any Jinko's in your junior high there, Kyle? I feel like I remember, like, some goth kids wearing those. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't really my uh, style back then. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't goth. Uh, yeah. Even I'm a year or two too young for Jinkos. They were really – my sister had some. I think the closest I got was the carpenter jeans with a little loop Oh yeah. for your for your hammer that oh, you know, yeah. you're carrying to class in seventh grade. I thought those oh, yeah, were super I had, cool. I had those. Yeah. Nice. I've already explained packing my lunch in cargo shorts in middle school, so yeah. Tater tots. Real stylish. Yeah. Add your tater tots in the. <laughs> uh, question for Rob again. I, I don't know why they're doing this. Uh, baseball on the radio is about telling stories and painting a picture as much as it is play by play. Does the pitch clock in Major League Baseball really affect that? Uh, I don't think it did this year, but they're trying to even shorten it more, which I don't know why. I think if you set a if you set a rule in a major sport, in a professional sport or college sport. It should have to be that way for three years before you can change it again. Quit changing rules every damn year. It's ridiculous. Uh, question for Kyle. How fast can you type? This is like Christmas when you're trying to sort out whose yeah. present is which under the tree. Yeah. Hopefully there's call, some questions for Ryan in here. Do you call him the Christmas elf? Like you have the youngest uh, cousin pass out all the gifts? And no, they we never. Names. They can't read names. So you have to <laughs> tell them what it means with. <laughs> Um, I am not a very fast typist. If I type fast, it becomes very inaccurate. And so if I'm going to type well, I have to do it slowly. You're a heavy typer. I mean, you mean like loudly? Yeah. Yeah. You, you hit the keys, man. I do. Uh, I'm not disputing that, but how do you know that? Have I ever typed in front of you? Uh, all the time uh, in this podcast format and I can hear it over the mic. I don't type when we're doing shows. Uh, you have typed before? Several times, and you did it today, in fact, when you sent Let's Go in a DM to my Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I I didn't mean to come at you there. I just... No, it's fine. Yeah, no, I... The girl who sits next to me at work... Yeah, uh, you're an aggressive typist. She can tell when I'm, like, stressed or trying to work fast. It's like... She's like, are you okay over there? It's like, yeah, sorry. Do you chicken peck, hunt and peck, or are you a real typer? It it's weird. So like my right hand, I use all the fingers. My left hand, I only use. <laughs> it's really weird. Not ambidextrous. Yeah, no. It's like I'd be like the three point shooter with like his own unique form. You'd be like, that's not conventional. It's not. Yeah, I don't know. Getting to know the Gauchos, uh, typing class was my first B in seventh hmm. grade. Never had a B before that. Uh, what would your record have been with Donovan Smith starting every game at quarterback? hundred percent like healthy. Yeah. I think you probably beat Wyoming and West Virginia and BYU. Um, let's say you lose one of the 
games you won uh, with Baron just because it was a close game. So I'll say plus two, so eight and four. That's funny. Um, favorite, least favorite traditional Christmas song. Favorite, least favorite modern Christmas song. So give me some Christmas songs you either enjoy or don't enjoy. Uh, really like Oh Holy Night. That's probably my favorite traditional Christmas song. Have you heard the the version of Oh Holy Night where the guy's just sending it and is absolutely terrible? No. I've got to send it to you. It's my favorite Christmas song of all time. Yeah, send that to me. The version. I don't like Baby It's Cold Outside, not because I think it's problematic, which I couldn't believe that was like a, an outrage a few years ago. I, I just think it's an annoying song. And I don't know about like modern ones. I probably wouldn't be able to rattle this off very, very efficiently. Oh, can't do that. Can't play now. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I, I uh, do you like Christmas shoes? Money? Are you a Christmas shoes guy? Have you heard that one? I've not. No. Oh man, have you heard Christmas shoes, Kyle? I feel they like I may have heard that once. They made movies out of it. Yeah. Uh, were you and Clint talking about this when we drove to the Texas Bowl last year? Uh, Christmas songs, maybe. I think it's specifically this one, Christmas yeah. Shoes. Either that or Ray Bolton's Thank You. I remember talking about that song as well. Thank you. There's an Ariana Grande song, Christmas Thank song, that I don't really care for. Yeah, it's really just covers now. Like, what is a – what is a – is Wham a, a – a new Christmas song, Wham, Last Christmas, Wham slaps, as the kids say. Is that a? But is that a a new Christmas song? I mean, that was in the eighties, wasn't it? Let's say it's Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey is not a traditional. Uh, All I want for Christmas is you. Christmas songs. You got to listen to Christmas songs, and you got to listen to. And there's a new song trending, uh, where. A radio broadcaster is breaking in to the Christmas songs that a, a mom is singing to her children, talking about a horrific bus accident, and they think their dad has died. And then at the end of the song, spoiler alert, he walks in and they have a Merry Christmas. I got to send that one to you as well. I, I think I'm out on that one. That doesn't sound <laughs> like... It's pretty hilarious. It's like that tweet where they talk about the youth pastor at camp and he's talking about like going to hell and he's talking to him behind the bleachers yeah um, same energy oh man saw a funny video around halloween about the youth pastor and he was like see i was just thinking after halloween when we you know put our costumes away what about the costumes we wear every single day and the masks we put on for it was like i love the youth pastor memes those are so funny to me there's one about uh dr pepper and 23 flavors and how God has selected flavors for you, and it's about your gifts. <laughs> oh, everyone has a different gift. Um, let's see. How many open tabs on your phone's browser? I feel like we've gotten this one recently. Yeah, I think I'm down to like 70-something right now. I have zero. I just cleared them out today. I think I'm at 20. Yeah, 20. Got to pump those numbers up. Rookie numbers. Um, 
Question for Kyle again. How does it make you feel that Rob completed the first three-hour stream with Carson instead of you? I feel like we've done a three-hour stream on the Gauchos. We did with like an asterisk. I think we published two hours and then put the hidden hour on Patreon. That's true. And that was a wild hour. Yeah, I think that was a Christopher Walken impersonations. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a blister on my foot that was involved with that. I mean, it was that was an episode. Certainly was. Uh, how much does a steer weigh in AA batteries? Yikes! That was an interesting story. Uh, uh, it was a it was a case study in the media publishing headlines that don't make any sense to the context of the story. Not to get all media, media about it. Yeah, I mean, like I can... the Deadspin article about the Native American kid who had red and black face paint and they called him blackface racist because he was wearing a headdress and had half his face painted black. Did you see the double down on that one? That Because I think initially he was like, yeah, he was in blackface and that's horrible. And then somebody was like, no, it was like red and black for the Chiefs. And he was like, oh, well, red face is actually even worse than blackface. And I was like, yeah. What are we doing here? Like just and his granddad sat on the National Council for Native Americans. Yeah, but you know why why report facts and context like that when you can, you know, burn an 8-year-old at the stake? Who will be the halftime performer at next year's Dr Pepper Big 12 Championship game? Da, 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 da. Hot in uh I don't know. Money, you have an option there? Creed. I'm down. How about the Lumineers? The Creed will be touring next year. The Lumineers. Yeah, just Brandfell's not smash mouth. I I mean, if tech can get them, I think the Big 12 can. How how about DJ Diesel? How about Jay-Z? If your mark, yeah. I think your mark's brother is still with Rock Nation. Yeah. I it was funny to me that I was watching the halftime show with my wife and, you know, Nelly was like working his way through the field next to the bands and all that. And she was like, these kids in the band weren't even alive when this song came out. And so I was trying to think of, it's like, okay, if they had brought in an artist from 1993 when I was in college, like what would the equivalent to Nelly be? And I didn't come up with a good answer, but I don't know. I don't know if they'll go with somebody younger next time or if they're just going to keep kind of the nostalgic throwback appeal to it. If Post Malone has dropped his country album by then, I want country posty. His dad uh, works at the stadium there, so. He does. We got it in. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, Jack Harlow had the worst Thanksgiving day setup i've ever it was just a white tarp on the on the field it was hilarious did y'all see that little inflatable stage yeah it was a little bitty like iceberg stage and then a white tarp on the field it was hilarious i didn't see that i've I've seen a bunch of social media commentary about it but i didn't i missed that uh would kitley make iowa's offense better I don't know. I'll be honest. Like I know that Iowa's offense is a meme. I haven't watched any of it this year for obvious reasons. So I don't know what their problem is or like what 
I mean, I feel like it couldn't be worse. Maybe some spread it out tempo concepts are, are what they need. So, yeah, I think it would probably be better. Can't hurt. They would score more points. Certainly. They wouldn't have 17 points a game. They would have 24 or whatever Texas Tech has. How, uh, how many plays do they run every game? That's another great question. They'd get 25 more plays off, I would guess. Oh, Harbaugh killed me in that Michigan-Iowa uh, Big Ten championship. It was fourth and six or seven in field goal range. They went for it and got it, and then got another first down. And on fourth and one, inside the 15, they kicked the field goal. So if you're going to go for it in field goal range, go for it in field goal range. I, I don't understand uh, kick away. And they won 26 to nothing, so what do I know? Uh, honorable mention Christmas songs to Dominic the Donkey. You know that one? No. You're not a big Christmas guy, are you, Kyle? Money, you don't know Dominic the Donkey? Well, not familiar with this game. I believe it is an Italian Christmas song. I'm, I'm a big Christmas guy. I, I don't appreciate that you threw that out there. Sorry, that's my bad. You can aggressively type something at me later. <laughs> uh, let's see. Should the playoff consist of the four? Uh, we already talked about that. Uh, why is college football the only? I don't, you don't care about that one either. Uh, is Houston a better job than Tulane? Yes, because it's in the Big Twelve. Big Twelve, more institutional support, I would say. Like Tulane isn't a good job. Willie Fritz is a good coach. Tulane wasn't anything before Willie Fritz got there. Tulane wasn't anything for five years with Willie Fritz there. Yeah. Did Mac Brown coach at Tulane? Am I making that up? I think he did. Before North Carolina? I think so. The first time, I mean. Like, was Tulane anything in between Mac Brown and Willie Fritz, if Mac Brown even coached there? I have no idea. But you want a hot take? Yes. Willie Fritz is a more tenured Matt Wells. Getting hired off of two big seasons. Yeah. I think they did that with Jeff Trailer. Yes, Mac Brown was at Tulane from 1985 to 1987. Good pull. As head coach. I'm not uh, – I, I think Willie Fritz can win at Houston, but I think they missed out. I think they should have hired Jeff Trailer. I think they'll regret that. So Mac Brown was actually even not good at Tulane. He went 1-10, 4-7, 6-6. and Somehow parlayed that into the North Carolina job. They did not have a winning season until Tommy Bowden in 1997. Okay, I need to put some respect on Tulane. 1998, 12-0. Oh. oh. And then a bunch of losing seasons. They go 8-5 and five in the middle of a ton of losing seasons. Curtis Johnson, 2013, had a winning season. And then not until 2018, Willie Fritz, did they have another. So, so no, I don't think Tulane is a good job just because Willie Fritz has found some success there in the last two years. Houston, bad fan support, but like for all the recruiting advantages of being in New Orleans, Houston has, I don't know, five to ten times as many people as New Orleans. And so you're still in a great recruiting footprint. You're in a power conference. You have money people that I think would step up under the right circumstances. So, yeah, I I think it's a better job. Willie Fritz, four and eight, five and seven, six and six, six and six. 
six and five, his first winning record in regular season in the COVID year, two and 10, and then 11 and two the last two years. That's, I don't know, it just feels like uh, Matt Wells esque getting hot and getting a better job kind of thing to me. Of course, he's also 60 something. No, I'm not ageist, but he's 60 something. This could be his last stop. Leipold's doing it fine at 59. I think it's actually it's a safe hire. Like we were talking about Kenny Perry at UTEP. I think that's a safe hire. And honestly, like, yeah, they've already been in the Big 12 for one year, but if they're looking for somebody to just kind of be adequate the first three or four years that they're in the Big 12, I think that's a pretty good hire. Like, I don't think he's going to get them where Tom Herman had them or anything like that. Um, I don't think his ceiling is as high as Jeff Trailer had they hired Trailer, But I think it's a safe, like, it'll make them respectable and kind of get lay a foundation for them in the Big 12. I mean, is Tulane recruiting well or just developing well? I don't think they've recruited that well. I think they're like in the 70s under Fritz. So, uh, are we hoping Ted Cruz shows up to the Sugar Bowl and burn orange? Would you rather have Ted Cruz root for your favorite team or Drake? Probably Drake. Both known uh, mushers. Money, would you rather have Drake or Ted Cruz in Texas Tech gear? Give me Drake. (laughs) Drake uh, spotted at Thanksgiving in a Georgia jacket, by the way. Didn't know that. Yeah. Then they lost to Alabama. Uh, Starbench cut these methods for determining the college football playoff. Computer algorithms, a bunch of olds in a room, or chicken shit bingo? Probably in that order. You're big on analytics. Uh, Here's a take, and maybe this is hindsight being 2020. I don't think the BCS was that bad. You have an objective computer component. You also have the human element that can override it if the computer gives you something stupid. I think the BCS was mostly okay. Was there controversy some years? Yeah, sure. If you BCSed four teams instead of two, though, I think it would have been fine. I think that was the issue. I, I just – this is like the only sport where you can't automatically play your way in. Yeah. And Florida State proved that, like – other teams have had a good case or a pretty good case and got left out, but like they did everything possible. They played in one of these designated power conferences undefeated. That's why I say like the NFL has such a good, you're in a four team division. You want to make the playoffs, even if you're yeah. eight and nine, that's fine. But win your division. You know, people keep saying this, that it, you're, it's the only sport where the best teams aren't in uh, major league baseball. Even after the expansion, the twins, aren't one of the best teams uh, in baseball last year. They don't have one of the best records. They have better records that didn't get in. I didn't say that. I said it's the only sport where you can't, like, automatically qualify any kind of way. I know. I didn't. I said people. People keep saying this. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, if you win 105 games but you don't win your division, I don't know. Like, the argument is beat the team in your division. Yeah. Uh, Will there be more than 200 Cal fans at the bowl game? No. I don't think so. Are we counting the team? The walk-ons? Yeah, that would put him like a third of the way there. Maybe you get there. 
Uh, well, the Gauchos divide and conquer by some going to the bowl game and another to Dickey's Arena versus Vandy. Money, what are you? What are your plans for the 16th of December? I actually don't have any yet. I might look for tickets because Fort Worth, not too bad of a drive from where I'm at. Um, probably won't make it out to Shreveport, but maybe Dickey's. I can almost guarantee, Kyle, you're uh, you're heading to Shreveport to gamble. I'm not sure. I wonder if there's any way we could move the game up to like noon at uh, at Dickies. That would be awesome. It's wrap, at six currently. Yeah, wrap it up by two thirty, and then eight eight thirty. I mean, it's a perfect at home viewing for basketball and football. That's true. Yeah, th- that's what I'm trying to weigh. Is like I want to go to the bowl game. It's a doable drive, and I don't want to take that for granted. But I had also planned to go to this basketball game, especially now that I live in Fort Worth. Also might have some ranching duties that interfere. We've got a goat that is close to term with uh, at least one baby goat, maybe more. So I don't know. I, I'm i open to all options, I guess. I'm, I'm hitting the portal and leaving my options open. I will probably not go to either. If you were, if it was a Texas Bowl again, and it was uh, a little more prestigious, and you were seven and five and riding hot, I might go. But six are good for Cal. Ah, well, yeah, yeah, you know, it's not Lane the, Kiffin. This again, I'm trying really hard not to preach perspective to people. In the in, are, the, in the playoff era, or like let's back it up to Mike Leach, 15 years ago. Out of the 65. 69 power five teams we've had like a bottom seven or eight experience i think yeah like what's the stat we're one of like four teams that's not been ranked in the college football playoff top 25 it 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 annoys me a little bit that we're we're too good for a power five opponent in a bowl game after having a winning record in conference play for the second time in 15 years Yo, I'm ecstatic to watch it on TV. I just don't know if I want to drive to Shreveport for it. Triggers me a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I teach their own. Sorry you feel that way, Kyle. Yeah. Just to gaslight you a little bit. Uh, All right. That's all I got. Final thoughts? Go Chiefs. Chiefs down uh, down seven. Spoiler alert. Just wait till they're plus money on the, on the live money line. Hammer it. They were down to uh, Vegas and covered. It's pretty awesome. I think I picked the Eagles to cover today, and they uh, they did not. Actually, I don't know how that game finished. But Is the game against Omaha? Is that on Wednesday? Omaha! Money is so shaking. We, he said yes. We're just going like after that game on Wednesday night? Sure. Cool. Do this podcast first before we start playing yeah, uh, hit us up on Patreon if you want to follow some of that portal action in the meantime. In between right. time. In between time. Where do you do that? Patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. Perfect. All right. Love uh, y'all. Go listen to Christmas music.